I'm Nara Holdaway. I'm Sydney Saunders. And I'm Francis Swinson. And we are doing a podcast on being black and biracial. Yes. Sounds right. <laughs> this is not going to be serious. It's fine. Um, okay, Fran, how do you identify? Ooh, okay. So I identify as a quarter of a quarter each of French, Native American, um, Powhatan Indian, Powhatan Native American, um, Mexican, uh, African American, and French. Yeah, that, that was all those. Alright. How about you, Nara? I mean, my, my mother is black and Cuban, and my dad is white, so I'm, I identify as black, mixed yeah. race. Both my parents are black, so I'm just over here. <laughs> Great. Okay. So, Fran, which parent is black or African American, and how do you think this affects your relationship with said parent? Ooh, so my dad is half Native American, half um, black, and I think it's it's fine um, because I have his, his skin tone, so, like, in the family, I can, like, identify, but then, um, it gets interesting going to my mom's side, my mom's family, um, like, events and stuff, and how I am the only biracial kid there of a black descent, and it gets interesting because it's a very Catholic Spanish family with, you know, very traditional, um, hints and sentiments, so, for, in my dad's side, it's fine with the family, but in my mom's side, it does get complicated. Yeah, I feel that, because, like, when I would go to family gatherings with my dad, it was very awkward because I was the only person of color in the entire room. And it's just like, you guys are saying some pretty racist stuff and I don't have the time, the energy, or the patience to explain this and I will also not be listened to. Yeah, and then you you just kind of feel like, like, don't you feel like they think, oh, they're in the family, it's like different, like, they're one of us, but it's like, I, you know, you know what I'm saying? Oh, oh yeah, like the, oh, you're not like all those other yeah, black like, people and it's like, excuse me? <laughs> like yeah it's it's a quite different experience from me going to family reunions and everybody's black everybody's black and then I'm over here like light skinned and that that's just like awkward yeah yeah and then there's my mom my mom's side of the family who is a lot of mostly dark skinned and then my cousin my second cousin's being like how are you so white? And it's like, because my dad's white. And they're like, oh, yeah. Like, they, for, I don't see them often, so they forget that my dad's white. Yeah. So I get those awkward, awkward like, you are really white. Like, what? And then they forget, and it's just very awkward to have to explain yes, because my father is not black. No, I know. Like, for me, like, when I visit my dad's family, um, my black family, like, in, so in the winter and fall, I don't know if this happens to just me. Yeah, my no, skin, yeah. yeah. My yeah. skin gets, like, really light to a point my mom asks, are you, are you, like, sick? Because I get, like, yeah. lately pale. And then yeah. they're, like, especially because I dye my hair brown. They're, like, yeah. we, like, literally one time my cousin was, like, are you, like, Latina now? And I was, like, I've always been. <laughs> like, yeah. So there's that. I get that. No, I get that. Yeah. 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 Oh, my God. The like turning pale yellow brown every yeah. winter looking like you're half dead <laughs> we're literally zombies it feels like it. i'm over here like yeah. oh my god my legs i look like a tan white person who went to a ski resort and yeah. then there's the tan white people in the summer who are like oh i'm almost as dark as you are and it's like don't say that like 
no, you don't have to experience the racial issues that I have to. Shut the. I'll shut up. Yeah. It doesn't matter that your skin tone is almost as dark as mine, honey. You look white as hell. <laughs> you look white. <laughs> you got, like the features. The yeah, blue they, for- eyes. Yeah. they forget it's like being black ain't just a skin tone. It is more than that. Yeah. Like, you still look like Britney, Britney. <laughs> still look like Britney, bitch. Sorry, Karen. <laughs> Sorry, Karen. <laughs> And how would you define being mixed or biracial? Ooh, I would, I would define it as being. I mean, for me, multiracial being more than two races, and then biracial being two races. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's like I identify closer with being mixed race because, like, I don't have as strong of a cultural connection to like my grandmother's. My grandmother's dad is Cuban. He was Cuban. And she kind of have some of that sentiment, but my mom didn't nearly as much, and I'm close to my grandmother and my mother, but the cultural aspect makes it difficult for me to be, like, definitively biracial. Especially because, um... But yeah, um... I would say that the biggest, like, issue is that, like, being white doesn't really... Whiteness itself isn't a culture. It is not a... There was no such thing as white pride. Yeah. yeah. And, like, my dad, then there's the whole mess of, like, my grand, my great-grandfather probably was not white, but my grandpa won't talk about it, so we just don't know. So, I guess the, it's hard to identify as biracial when, like, the racial aspect and the heritage aspect get into play, because being black, you kind of get torn away. Being a black American, I've been torn away from any heritage significance yeah. that I had. Yeah. And then... My dad being white, and then his dad not wanting to talk about the fact that he has family that was most likely not white, and like not wanting to talk about it makes that difficult. So it's a very weird conglomerate. Yeah. Um, for me, it's just this weird, interesting mix of I'm not biracial, but I am a quarter white. Yeah. So. Like, I'm not biracial, my mom's not biracial, my dad's not biracial, my grandparents aren't biracial, it's just this slow trickle-down of genetics, and we only finally found out through DNA tests on my, of my parents and my grandparents, and, like, knowing that, technically, and knowing that, in reality, technically, that doesn't matter, because I've grown up black, in a black family, and everybody I relate to is black, so it's not really a big deal, except for when it comes to outside of my family, when people question what my race slash ethnicity is, and then you get the, oh, well, you're really light-skinned, and then you like, you're like, oh, well, I mean, I am technically a quarter white, or I am technically, like, partially white, not by anybody's own volition, but, like, it, that's, it happened. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, in high school, that shit was, I mean, awful. For, oh, I gotta tell you guys a story. Okay, so... I mean, I know the viewers can't see this, but I I looked very I looked very mixed. Like yeah, yeah from like yeah. day yeah yeah from like day one like every I remember at like high school, middle school, elementary school every sub I would get, which it never bothered me. They'd always be like at the end like, what are you? And I'd be like, oh, they're like, what ethnicity are you? And I like tell them like, oh, that makes sense. But like I've been like 
you know what's so interesting? I, I look so mixed that, like, sometimes if I change my hair, if I, sh- I don't know, if, like, like yeah. for instance, like, like literally, I'm not even kidding. For this Indian wedding I went to, one of my Indian friends thought it'd be cool to see, like, how Indian she could make me look. And I was like, don't know about that. But you know what? It was her event, and I was like, you know, if she wants to try something, and literally, like, straightened my hair. It, at the time, it was black, so straight, long hair. And then um, my did my makeup in, like, a more Indian style. And, like, I even, like, looked in the mirror and I was like, wow. You know? Like, yeah. that's insane. Like, everyone believed it there. And then I, like, they, like, gave me, like, some religious stuff um, in Hinduism. And, it, like, and then another time I went to Hawaii and then everyone thought I was from there. Like, everyone thought I was a native. And, like, yeah. I even had, like, it was, like, this happens so much, too, which is weird. Like, one time I went to, um... I went to Morocco, and then, like, they thought... I mean, at the time, I wasn't in, like, the group, and I kind of dressed a little more like like I was on vacation. They legit thought, like, oh, you're from here. Like, like this one person came up to me and, at, like, started talking in Morocco, and, like, I, I was like, I, I don't know anything you're saying. The amount of people who assume <laughs> I am Spanish, assumed I am Mexican, and assume I speak Spanish is too high. Yeah. Like, I were... When I was working at, like, when I was working in in Utah, and I was working in a lower class, in, a, in an area that was, like, lower middle class, the amount of people, the amount of Latinx people who come up to me and start speaking to me in Spanish, because they thought I was Spanish, and the awkward moment was, like, I, I don't speak Spanish, I'm sorry, and they would just, their faces would follow, and I'd feel bad, because it's, like, I, I just, I'm not, I grew up, I'm, I'm black, I'm not, I'm not Mexican, I'm sorry, and, like, it just, I don't, people can't tell all the time, like, in the South, it's a lot easier, I think, people kind of assume I'm black in the South, but when you go to the Southwest, or the west coast they really can't tell because it's just not as yeah the features aren't as pronounced yeah i i get mistaken for weird shit like, like what like like um well one my mom gets mistaken for chinese a lot that one baffles me so. how does that make any sense um if you've ever seen my mother like maybe she looks mixed Maybe. Maybe she looks biracial. But she certainly does not look Chinese or Filipino. That's the other one. That's another one that I've So I, I get often that I look like biracial Filipino black. And it's either that or if I straighten my hair, I look Latino. And people will come up to me speaking Spanish. Only if I have my hair straightened, though. Because my hair is the dead giveaway. Yeah. Same, yeah. But it's not for me. For me, it's so in between. Especially because yeah. when my hair was longer, it was a little bit... It was more confusing, actually, for people. Because I'd pull it up all the time. So I looked more Latinx. But my hair's short now. And the curl is looser. So people can't tell at all. I mean, my white boyfriend's hair is as curly as mine. <laughs> It makes it. Yeah. I, mean, it, it. I think that's a pretty clear giveaway. Our hair at the same length is the same, like texture. Yeah. It's impossible. To, it's a lot harder to tell with me. There is no clear giveaway, and it's very bizarre. Greg looks almost like spicy white, though. You know. That's Lena, what I thought. Lena has said that. <laughs> the amount of people of color who've that's called my spice. white boyfriend spicy white is so high, and I think it's mostly because he's not a cold person, because he's a nice, warm person, and that's something <laughs> I have. <laughs> <spice>. <laughs> No, I thought Noah was, like, Scott. Like, he, I think he's part of Scott. I'm gonna ask, though, but... It, it amuses me because Greg is Dutch. Oh, and, yeah. like, like, Slavic. He's very white. Oh, people, Slavic makes sense. Yeah, it's just very funny. Um, next question is, 
hair care, what does it look like for you? Ooh, okay. So for me, like a big ass hair journey. We all know this. For me, yeah. like I went through so much shit. What I use now is really expensive, but it works. I hate yeah. it. So I use this thing called BioTerra, but it's basically about moisturizing. Oh, yeah. I've used it before. Yeah. It's good, right? It was expensive. It was expensive. <laughs> I had, like, the little Sorry. sample bottle. I can't yeah. remember. I've used so many products. I can't remember. But I, it definitely was not on the list of things that I will never use ever again. So yeah. okay, okay. that gives it good chances. Yeah. But yeah, I use that. I use like like the ultra moisture one too, and I use color care, which is really cool because I use the moisture one, right? Shampoo and conditioner. But then I'll put the color stay on it for the brown, but also like it's like it locks in the other stuff for longer because it's like another coat, and that like has really been helping. And I'll do like I'll do it twice a week. I'll do conditioner twice a week and shampoo once a week. And like I think what really helps though, it's like called it's a ten, but it's it's so good. I love that. Right, it's so good. Which which color though? The purple. I use the purple one. Yes, the purple one is the best. It's so good, Nara. Sorry, no, this is amusing. The leaving. Yeah, the leaving conditioner. It's so expensive though. Oh, have you tried the keratin treatment though? Not yet. Is it good? My hair just comes out like feeling. Like, like it's still curly. It's not the kind of thing where it makes it feel smooth, but it's like half straightened. Yeah. It's like curls. Yeah. Like smooth defined. Yeah. curls. Where you like run your hair down the, sh- your, your finger down the strand and you're like, ah, satisfaction. You know? Versus yeah, like yeah. my hair right now. I mean, it's super dry. So we're good. <laughs> but, but yeah. But that's yeah. what I do. I love it. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. yeah. Like, how would you describe your hair texture? Because it's a lot. Ooh, things. okay, right now it's not, it's not too, it's, I'm doing it, I'm like moisturizing again tonight, but I would say it's, because it's weird, because it's like with all my cultures, it will like, like, I mean, you guys can't see it, but it's like the top will be, will be really curly, but then it will like always like wave out for my mom's side. Yeah. And it doesn't damage or anything, it just does that. Yeah, it just does that. And people think, I'm like, no, it just, it literally just does that. I like, like how it goes, but then sometimes it'll be, some places are more curlier than others when it's longer. Yeah. I would say, because my mom has said I have more wavy curls, I would say like curly, but not like 4C, yeah. but no. like curly. I would probably guess that you are like me in the mixture of 3C, 4A, because my hair does the same thing where it's like super, super curly up here, and unless I'm like doing the most to take care of it, it looks kind of like (laughs) frizzy, frizzy, but it's not really like frizzy, frizzy. It's just that I don't have a defined curl pattern because I'm not doing stuff to give it a defined curl pattern. Um, yeah. And then the back of my head is like Nara's hair, <laughs> which is like a three B at this point. I don't even know. Yeah. But my hair was long. I'd say it was pretty solidly a three C, like when it was down to like the middle of my chest. But I cut it like three and a half, like three years ago. Yeah. And now it's like a three B. Yeah. Three, like it, it's a lot looser. And it's weird because when you cut your hair shorter, you expect it to be curlier. And my, yeah. mo- my mother was like so upset that I was cutting my hair. It's like it's gonna be a mess, and then like it was looser than what I started with, and it was, it was very interesting to watch that. But yeah, I'm the one with the cheap hair routine, but it works. Yeah, Cindy okay, can yeah. attest to this because I use o- I use Aussie, which like isn't ideal, but basically I get the Aussie three minute miracle moisturizer, and Cindy can attest because Cindy's hair gets really tangled really easily. She will use it and go like what a week without without like detangling it again. Yeah, it's still fine. It's it's like honestly it's like seven dollars. The best Dang. stuff I've ever used in terms of conditioning and detangling because yeah. I've 
I've gone through the lot. I I went all the way to Diva Curl and yeah. like I was starting to get into the really high end yeah. stuff before Nine showed me the um the Aussie. Three, three Minute Miracle. Yes. It's like a little tube. And I put that on my hair after. Like in the shower, yeah. like I'll usually just condition. I'll just co-wash it with conditioner. Okay. And then like once every two weeks I'll actually shampoo it because then it starts to get gross. Yeah. yeah. But I'll also use Diva Curl. But I've had to be careful with looking at the Diva Curl because apparently they've had issues with certain with the company getting take getting taken over by different people. I know yeah. I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. And like they've had like serious medical issues with it. And I was like yeah. so terrified. Fortunately, stuff that I use is fine. Apparently, okay. there's been a lot of things where there are chemicals that are technically safe but together cause issues. Oof. No. Um, which I think is what happened that one time I had total freak out and was like don't use any of your diva girl products um but like i mean i like you said earlier my hair routine is to avoid washing it for as long as physically possible and just hope that it's detangled at some point yeah (laughs) because i absolutely hate washing my hair it takes forever and it takes forever to dry especially because i'm an a hair dye addict and my hair is now blue I like it. So, it's a great. Idea. I also like it. It's kind of more teal, but it's it's just because my hair wants to be yellow. But um, <laughs> I have reached a point where I just don't shampoo it at all unless my um, psoriasis starts to act up, and then I'll put psoriasis wash on my scalp, which tends to like super strip like my roots um which because of the the um color anyway i have a repair conditioner and a a repair mask so i'll put that on and then i'll follow up with the conditioner and now i have stuff to rehydrate my hair throughout the week so my hair doesn't feel absolutely awful and satin bonnet i finally got another one because my my other one that is like super nice it's the grace la and i don't know where it is i don't know where it is it was so expensive it was so nice it was comfortable i don't i have no clue where i put it i'm the heathen who doesn't wear anything on my head when i go to sleep and i recognize that that's not good for my hair but i also have zero patience yeah. And shift in my and don't I mean I kind of shift in my sleep but I honestly it's easier for me to just get silk sheets at this point silk like pillowcases yeah that's cheaper and I don't like having stuff on my head because I get warm really easily so yeah. I would just be a sauna sweating like nobody's business and that would just be awful yeah to be perfectly honest my bonnet falls off like half the time <laughs> but I try you know yeah and it does sort of make a difference I have less breakage. Which okay. is impressive because my hair is curly, dyed, and not well taken care of. So, I'll take it. There you go. That's always a nice thing to have. I think, like, another thing I've been doing, like, I think since, like, two years ago that, like, really helps. Like, it's been, like, a really big difference. And, like, even how, like, this dye, like, I mean, it's, you know, growing out now, I'm gonna do it, but, it, like, it looked natural and that's because it's, like, healthy. Because, like, I actually, like, so every other night when I moisturize it, right, I'll actually, like, first, like, spray it with water. And then do the it's ten. It yeah, works, and then I'll braid it. So good. Yeah, and then I'll like braid it all together because that's my big thing. My hair just needs a moisturizer, and I'll like braid it together at night, and then it keeps it in there. And like for me, that's helped so much. Like mm-hmm. if my hair has been like healthy. Like you know, it's good when the hairstyles is like your hair is healthy, and I was like, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> that is a compliment. Like, yeah, that's the best. God, 
Finding when, it's like going to your dentist after flossing consistently, <laughs> yeah. and they're like, "Wow, have you been flossing?" And you're like, "Yes, oh, I, yes have. I have." Yes. God, yeah, I am. But also, like haircuts and getting haircuts has been a nightmare for me yeah. because yeah. I grew up in a white Utah's white. We all know it. We yep. accept it. I, I oh could not. God. The expenses of curly hair normally is bullshit, anyways, and it's obnoxious, anyways. In an entirely white, majority white state with very specific white, straight, blonde hair. Haircuttery, though. Getting haircuts was awful. Like, I... They, getting your haircut while straightened. Uh, and then finding out that it's two different lengths. Yeah. Your hair shrinks at different... Yeah. God, no. That, that was the worst. No, oh, I my know. God. I asked for a bob this one time. No, no. And she was like, oh, Oof. I'll give you layers. She gave <laughs> no. me layers that were shorter than the bangs I already had. I was oh, like, I was like, what no. in the, what is this? Uh. How am I supposed to, I can't even straighten this. And I was at a time where I was like straightening my hair constantly. Yeah. So I just had to wear it curly until it grew out. Oof. Yeah, I've had some pretty bad ones. Um, then I found a guy who actually did my, cut my hair well. And then he moved to New York. No! That's the issue that you find good curly hair cutters who don't charge an ungodly fee, and then they vanish. <laughs> they go to yeah. New York City. <laughs> like, they go to New York, and I'm like, no, oh I miss you! <laughs> he was the one who cut my hair short, but I found someone in Charlottesville, fortunately. Becca is is a G um, at Honeycomb. Becca's she's, pretty awesome. Yeah, she's wonderful. She's great. She understands curly hair pretty well. And, like, just... Go to Becca. Go, good, good. We, we love Becca. Also, going... Since I have my hair in a fade normally... Going to Black Barbers, significantly cheaper, and I was more, and they would do what I wanted and didn't give me weird shit about it. Yeah. Like, also, like, out. oh my god. One time, I went somewhere to get my hair cut, and I was like, you have to, wa- you have to wash it first mm-hmm. yeah. to cut it wet. Yeah. And they were like, no, we'll just straighten it. And I was like, no. No. <laughs> you need to no. cut it, you have to cut it wet. And they're like, oh, Okay. You could tell that they just didn't want to detangle my hair, and then they got it. Oh my god, the the the, the stretched out brushing that's just like super rough is awful. Like, dude, put conditioner in my hair. Put leave-in conditioner in my hair. Put something with slip in my hair. Yeah. Don't just rake through it. Were like, they using like those those like plastic combs, like a little ball? They were using the white combs. Uh, yeah, my mother calls them. God, no! You use your fingers and you use a wide tooth comb. Yeah. Like, like either those combs or like the brushes, but not like the the bristle brushes. No, no the no, ones no. with the little balls at the end. Oh yeah. Where your curls get stuck around. Oh, the ones that they would yeah. just you break it off the plastic. Yeah. God, that was the worst. Oh, I hate Oof. that. I would just pull out bristles with my hair, because <laughs> and then the bristles would get stuck in, in my hair. Like, the, what is that? Like, yeah. you, you always see the scene in, like, makeover things where they get the brush stuck in. No, the brush is not the part that's getting stuck in. All it's the bristles, bristles are there, and then the brush is somewhere else. Yeah. The amount of the amount of times when I would use those and I had long hair and I'd be detangling my hair in the shower. This is a recipe for disaster. Um, oh. The amount of times I ripped the face of the, of the, of the, of the thing Jeez. off was too high. I, it took, I didn't realize oh for so long that... Narge, go back to the white tooth comb. It was working. Listen to your mother. Yeah, I yeah. gave in and bought a Denman brush, and oh. that was magic. I remember the first time that thing went through my hair, and I was like, 
okay, here we go again. And then I put it through, and it went down the whole entire strand without me having to do anything more than once. And I was like, what is this magic? Now I want to get the Denman paddle brush, but I have another paddle brush right now. Because the I, paddle brushes are just, like, magical. There's just yeah. so much hair you can go through at yeah. once. Mm. And the, like, scalp massage. Yes! Oh, man, it's just so good. But also, okay, not to go on a tangent here, but, like, um, I think this is kind of going into our next topic, but sleeping, okay, sleeping or doing things with your hair when you're dating someone else and you're around them. Wait, let's talk about that, because I, yeah. I, I, I want to know about this, because, you know, me, yeah, I'm trying to date, yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do with yeah. a white man. <laughs> Literally, I just kept my hair in braids for as long as possible, because okay. I didn't know what to do, yeah. and then I gave up, and I just slept the way I normally did, and my hair was everywhere. <laughs> True. It was everywhere, and nobody could escape it, and... It I'm, was tangled. I am in the fortunate situation of, well, no, when my hair was long and I was seeing someone, it would, it would get everywhere. I, just, I mean, I didn't even stay, like, a full night. We were, like, just at this person's house for a little while, hanging out. Yeah, I got hair everywhere. It was fine. But fortunately, I don't shed as much since I cut my hair off. Yeah. So that's been a lot easier. But also, this kind of gets into non-black people playing with your hair. Oh, God. Oh, my God. The scalp. Like, they don't get the whole, the whole, like, you you can't, you don't, you don't. This is about playing like, with hair for context, um, because Sydney's doing the hand motions and you can't see them. You can't they cro- they will comb try to- through yeah, it. Literally. Combing yeah. through it doesn't work. You have to do this, shove your fingers in and, and scalp. scratch. Yes. Yeah. Or massage. Yes. Yeah. Like, even if someone whose hair doesn't get tangled nearly as easily, you do the head scratches with your nails. Or if you're yeah. gonna do the, like, combing thing, pick, like, one section and like curl it around your finger or something yeah because like that is less likely to get tangled than grabbing the entire head and pulling god you're god i can i'm just thinking of the person you're talking about and the amount of times we told said person to stop it and they wouldn't i wanted to scream because i give very good head scratches yeah Sydney can attest to this a lot of people like when i give head scratches because my mother taught me right don't use you, you scratch the head you scratch the scalp you yeah. don't you don't try to run your hands through the fingers if it's curly because you're just gonna get snagged on things there's a good chance they have a sensitive scalp they're gonna get upset yeah. unless you actually know how to detangle dry curly hair don't do it yeah it's, just, it's a whole thing don't do it yeah it's a process there's a reason and even then there's a reason why you put like oil on your hands or something something Something. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> Anything. Yeah. Anything. But yes, I think that kind of gets into our next, next topic. So the next question we were going to get into was dating, which is a, a whole ass topic. That's a whole topic. Yep. Um, <laughs> so we start with, like, who do you, who do you primarily date, like, race-wise, gender-wise, etc.? Just, like, what people are you attracted to? So sad i'm usually attracted to white guys um the typical like i want a tom holland um 
yeah, it's just how I look. I mean, that's the look I want. Um, and just because, like, I also really active, just fun guy. Um, we'll be easily talk about politics. I want a Democrat, but usually it doesn't happen that way. Um, <laughs> um, I want a Catholic, but also finding a, a very Democrat Catholic like myself is hard nowadays. Um, and yeah, I think a part of it is, like, grew up in Nova. That's all I was really experienced, but... I'll do it. Um, I don't know. I've, at this point, dated white people primarily. I'm gonna blame half of that on being in Utah and being around only white people. It, I mean, my current boyfriend of, like, over a year and a half is white. Um, there hasn't been a joke of him being spicy white. Spicy, spicy white. white. <laughs> it's always a fun running joke. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm bisexual. I, I date whoever. I, I guess I'm a... The... I don't know, I guess the people I'm attracted to generally make, make me laugh and listen and are willing to listen to me go on rants about whatever the hell I go off on and just talk a lot and willing to listen to me and respond to things and will communicate. Big fun of communicating. Um, see. um, well, the one person I dated was white and at the time was extremely Hip, hipst, hipster, hipster musician. Oh, oh, yeah. Tall hipster musician guy with with um, a lot of hair. With a lot of yeah. interesting fashion choices. Sorry, go on. Um, it, it, I don't know that it was a fashion choice, but um, that I can't escape it. I can't escape the tall white guy. <laughs> <laughs> Admittedly, yeah, I am five two. That'll affect it a little bit. And being small, while if anybody calls me small, I will murder them. But feeling small is quite nice. You just want to be held. Yeah. I just want to be held. I just want somebody to hold me. Okay. There's me who just walks around two tall white guys all the time and just tries to act like the leader. Yeah. Okay, how do you think being black affects these kinds of romantic relationships and romantic pursuals? And how do you think being mixed specifically affects them? Like, who you're attracted to and, like, how your relationships go? So, I think this is a big thing I think we all can attest to. Um, it's always on my mind, like, legit all the time. Every time I date a white guy, I'm like... Will his parents like me? Mm. And like usually it's a big I like that's my first thing going in the dinner. They won't like me, so I have to be extra beautiful, extra pretty. I have to be extra. Oh my god, I do this and that. Extra oh white. God. Yep, extra white. Um, and then uh, there's also a big thing in the back of my head. Like, does he actually like me for me, or am I, or am I an experience? Yeah. You know, and like, and then I mean, usually I. I don't think it's been that, but it'll always be at the back of my mind, and like, and also like, will it last? Will it not? Because I'm a different race than him, even though I shouldn't have these thoughts. It's also in the back of my mind yeah. all the time. Yeah, no, I feel yeah. that. Like the, am I just an exotic fantasy? Yeah. Like, am I just there to be like a plaything in college, and then you go marry a, a regular white girl? In high, in, when you're as an adult and then the black quote unquote girlfriend. yes the black, <laughs> yeah, quote unquote yeah. settle down and be a normal white guy kind of thing that's always in the back of my mind I mean yeah. I've been very lucky in the fact that that has not been does not seem like that's been the situation but like the people I've dated one of the things I've noticed is that my last two relationships last three everyone who I've dated has been queer as well like okay. my first like AFAB partner 
they're non-binary, they're bi. Um, my girlfriend first year, she's bi. My current boyfriend's pansexual. I've never, I know for a lot of reasons, in part because I don't identify as female, I identify as non-binary. I cannot date a straight white man. That is off the table. Oh, yeah. There is an aspect- They suck. There is an aspect of understanding that is not there because there is such a sense of privilege for straight white, like, cis men that I cannot connect in such a way that is meaningful and long-lasting for me. And, like, I've had black people be like, how can you date a white guy? It's like- in part because he's not straight, that helps because he understands be- being a minority can look like and feel like, and he's willing to listen to issues of race and actually absorb those issues. I didn't have to teach him the basic shit, like, reverse racism isn't really a thing, and like, yeah, cops are, don't like black people. I didn't have to teach him these things, I didn't have to teach him about basic shit. A lot of the whole black woman not being supported amongst healthcare. Yeah, I didn't yeah. have to, God, the amount of things that like a lot of people don't realize because they aren't exposed to it, and how tiring it gets to have to explain those things. And like people mean well, but it's like I don't want to be your teacher all the time, especially not someone that I'm like involved with and romantically yeah. and sexually and intimately. I don't want to have to be the educator on top of that, and not having to do that has been nice. Like there are nuances that I'm gonna get because I experience these things. That he may not understand, but I can explain them to him, and he understands that after I explain it, and legitimately wants to understand. But, like, just... The amount of white people who don't get it, and you're not willing- we're not willing to truly understand it. Yeah. Too high! Don't make me be your professor, because that's not my job, and you do not pay me thousands of dollars a year to teach you. You're right. Listen to black women and black AFAB people when they tell you something. But don't make them educate you on basic shit. Don't argue with them about it. Literally, do not do it. Please. Can you like, bruh, I'm pretty sure I know. Oh, like the person like like the person you were dating who was like who had weed in their car and was like, I'm at higher risk of being pulled over if a cop pulls me over than your black female girlfriend. That was. Um. I'm just. I'm just stuck on it. I mean, first of all, the only real reason why I dated at the time somebody who thought they were a straight white man was because I could clearly tell that they were not a straight white man. No, they are bisexual and non-binary, um, which they have discovered. Bisexual, they re- realized while they were dating you. Yeah. The non-binary, they realized during the pandemic, which a lot of people realized their gender yeah. was not as straightforward yeah um and just the exhaustion of having to explain to somebody things that already exhaust you is ridiculous yeah and like the the cop thing was one thing but like me freaking out about going to the doctor and disliking going to the doctor for um like sex gender issues is another thing like I'm pretty sure like me freaking out about various issues that I know are common amongst black women with regards to sexual health I feel like that's a thing that you shouldn't really question when somebody's freaking out about it yeah Um, cause like 
let me just say that this was all started by talking about the, um, the, I don't remember what it is. It's like the husband stitch or something, but it's a post, um, postpartum Mm -hmm. procedure, (laughs) postpartum procedure, that's a lot of peace. (laughs) Postpartum procedure, um, that was really common decades ago, but still occasionally happens where they, um, after you give birth, they do an extra stitch on your vagina so that it's tighter for your husband and it can cause a number of health issues, um, including, like, bleeding and Infections. infections and pain and tightness and muscle issues etc etc it's a completely unnecessary procedure that can cause women a lot of issues all for men yeah 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 and it's not like like doctors at the very least should know that that's not how that works in the first place like tightness is one not really a thing you should worry about in the first place but two not controlled by the physical size of somebody's vaginal canal to be perfectly blunt about it. Yeah. I went off on a tangent, but that has been bothering me for so long. I didn't realize that's what started that issue. Oh, that's what started it. And then I went on down a whole nother road of other issues. Like black women being... Uh, sterilized into the 70s. Yeah, that and also black women dying postpartum because nobody understands that they're actually in pain and they believe that like they can just take more pain. They believe black people can take more pain than white people because of slavery and it's like no that's not how any of that works. I mean my my, my mother's birth birth horror story. I mean, only half of her epidural worked and she had to give, they thought I died for 30 seconds there because one of my, like, heart monitors fell off and they didn't realize it for, th- for a minute and, like, the just the nightmare of, like, her having to give birth and, like, like, she was only numb on half of her body and, like, it was just, it's just yeah. a mess. And I was two months yeah. early on top of all of that and, like, just hearing women's horror, black women's horror stories. Also, my mom later on, just how she was at the emergency room and they sent her back and then she had to come back in, uh, like, it was on a weekend, but then she came back in on Monday and, and like, was almost septic. Like, she nearly had poisoned her, her body nearly poisoned itself. Yeah. And she came back in three days later because of a really bad, really awful infection. And, like, just oh, the, yeah. not listening to black women's pain in particular is just a nasty common thing. Because yeah. the stereotype of having to be the strong black woman and, like, the caregiver and... Also, yeah. the... To swipe back around to our original topic the idea of having to be the strong black woman in relationships oh yeah why like i know why but who 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 actually believes that a person is always the strong one that's not how things work a lot of you can figure that out from a goddamn television show but also a lot of cis men don't understand how to display their emotions in healthy manners oh yeah like (laughs) me tell you about that the amount of cis men i know who don't understand that like like just in general 
cisman not understanding that me being nice to you doesn't mean I want to fuck you. Yeah. It's, Retweet. It's like, I'm a friend. I care about your emotional well-being as a friend. Yeah. Like, just because I worry about you as a person does not mean that I have any romantic interest in you. I'm trying to help you. Also, black sex jokes, not uh, funny. Yeah, it's not funny. It's not funny at all. It's in no way, like, it, it doesn't make you an interesting person. I don't... It doesn't do anything for you. Also, having sex with black people doesn't mean you're not racist. You're probably just fetishizing them. Yeah. Like, honestly, yep. having sex with black people can make you racist. That's sh- wild. Except that, like, hmm. Slavery. Race play oh, is God. a thing that people think is real. Oh, God. It's like, no, you're just That's racist. That's not a thing. Yeah. You're just racist and exotifying a, a, a skin color and the cultural background that's associated with it. Yeah. It, it's not cute. It's not funny. It's not cool. It's like, ugh. It's just not it's, a... Yeah. Like... You're wrong. Don't sexualize that shit. That shit happened, and it was awful. People got raped. People got bred like cattle. That was the whole thing, was breeding them like cattle because they were not people. Yeah. They were... Property. Property. Yeah. That's a good, depressing, but real, unfortunately real turn. Um, yeah. Uh, since we've mentioned that all three of us have dated primarily white people, what do you think? Why do you think that we tend that we don't date black people more often? Um, just to go ahead and start, I personally mostly don't date black people because most of my friend circles are white, or at least if not white, um, Latino or Asian, um. And it mostly, I just, like, don't have enough black people in my social circles to date anybody. Um, but secondly, there's that awkward barrier of having grown up in a primarily white community. Yeah. And unfortunately, I so many of the black kids I know who grew up with me are very much in the category of white liberals t like white liberals tm even though they're not white yeah yeah um the moderate black stereotype like the uncle tom stereotype kind of thing and which is just not interesting to me and then generally there's this weird thing amongst like I don't know what term to call this because it feels like stereotyping and awful except that it's the only like sort of information I get which is the whole like persona of black men who are only into white women and if they date black women they are fetishizing them and using them for a variety of things and yeah. are also not really interested in them or being faithful to them, which is not something that I want to partake in. There's the, the... I think the easiest way to explain the historical context of that is a lot of 
Um, there's the... Uh, what am I thinking? I mean, there's the, there's the sexism issue within black communities. Yeah. Because the trauma that they face in white America gets reflected onto black women. Yeah. By black men. And a lot of that turns into a lot of lack of loyalty and violence. Because they have no place... Because the white system enforces that on black people and they need and they have no outlet in that system but they can use it against their with the women in their communities yeah which breeds to violent tendencies within that because of the white system um there's also this la- like i mean a lot of queer circles at least for sydney and i are very white especially at the university of virginia I mean, yeah. It's a, yeah it's a very white university on top of all that and yeah. i also grew up in, a, in utah predominantly white area I was one of two black kids in my entire elementary school oh, grade. Dang, yeah. Like it was it was very little. Um and the queer phobia in a lot of black communities yeah. because of fear, because of like you're already a minority in one case, why would you want to put yourself on on another stage of that? Like racial re- religious tensions within that. There aren't a lot of queer black people that I have connected with. Like And between UVA being very white and those kinds of issues, there aren't a lot of queer, particularly queer black men, that I've met. And if I have, they've usually been gay. Yeah. And not, like, bi or pan or... So it's very hard to find those kinds of people. Yeah. In part just because those communities aren't really allowed to flourish. Yeah. By a lot of systems. I would say... For me, with I was like I would, I always thought about this too because I'm like, yeah. yeah. I mean, most of my friends. So I think a big part of it for me is like religion plays yeah. a big role because like being Catholic, there's not a lot of black people in Catholicism. They're just yeah. not, and it's it's basically because of my mom. Like my mom made my dad convert, but he it, it didn't make like dad want to like he agreed. Um, but that's how I am Catholic from my mom's side, and but of course you know it comes from a lot of like. French and like Spain, um, you know, from that area. And my mom, it's interesting. My mom's my mom's family really prides themselves on their like French and like like um, Spanish um, heritage, like from Spain, like the roots. I'm like interesting, but <laughs> it's the whole thing. Um, but um, but it's just I think growing up Catholic though, like you are around um, a lot of white people, um, but. Usually they're nice, but then I think being grown up Catholic, what I've noticed too about other Catholics, we kind of like, like I don't even know, we don't even know how we do this, but we gravitate toward each other. I don't know how to explain it, but it's like I most like most of the if I meet a new person, it's just I find out they're Catholic. I don't know. It's like like even just talking to them, like Joe, like he's Catholic. I didn't know that. Even talking, I'm like, oh, you're Catholic. Like, that makes sense. Like, I actually came up to you and talked to you. And then Grant, Catholic. And I was like, I was like, I wanted to talk to you. I didn't know why. And I think I just kind of knew you were Catholic. And then, like, one of my my old friends from Tech, um, her name's Kat. Great person. I love her to death. And, like, we both didn't know, like, a year in, we were, became best friends. She said, oh, yeah, I'm Catholic, too. And I was like, I guess <laughs> I just gravitate towards Catholics. Yeah. But then, but then, it, yeah, they are mostly white. I think for me, that's how it happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like gravitates to like. I mean, there's the whole thing of like, oh, you're you're self segregating, which is not a thing. It's it's not how that works. It's it's a similar. It's a shared experience and shared understanding without having to explain it aggressively. Um, 
I guess that kind of gets into the next question of how does being mixed race affect your friend group and who you choose to be friends with. Um, like, not, not even just racially, but also, like, how your friends, I guess, deal with you talking about race issues. How do they deal with, how do your friends, or how are they affected by that? How do you get treated because of that and that kind of stuff? I would say for me, I'm a really, like, very open person, and I read a room really well, and that's how I kind of read if I want to be someone's friend. And a major thing about me is, like, I get that, um, that question, because it's like, I can't be friends with people who can't talk about political things. Because mm-hmm. then you know, like, they won't talk about it because they, they, they have beliefs that shouldn't be there. And, um, so that's how, I think that's how I, beca- I become friends with people, because if we can openly talk about, like, political stuff or rights like rights like they should be there and um for everyone (laughs) and um just I think that openness and like I I just feel like even that openness like talking about big topics is like brings you closer to people and my thing is if I can't do that with people and meet new people I'm like I won't be friends with you so I think that's how a lot of my close friend groups became to be but yeah yeah I mean as I've gotten older and more aware of the racial issues like I can't deal with people who try to correct me about about my about my like people who try to correct me and say that I'm wrong when I'm complaining about race issues and get upset when I complain about being black and those experiences I can't deal with that anymore yeah I've dealt with it a lot in my life I've watched the kind of bullshit that it breeds I mean I just I am too old and tired to deal with people. You're not old. <laughs> no, I'm 21. I'm a baby. It's fine. Um, I'm 22. I'm old. <laughs> no one is actually that old. It is old. But, like, in a college setting, we're old, I guess, is a better way to put it. Like, in an undergraduate setting, I feel old. I'm a fourth year or a senior for non-UVA students. I feel old in a way. I am too tired and too at my wit's end to have people get uncomfortable, get upset when I complain about my issues as a person of color in the United States. Yeah. No, yeah. Because they are issues that I have, and they are issues that I experience every fucking day. Yep. And the people who get uncomfortable and won't, and try to shut me up when they talk about it are not worth my energy. Not worth your time. Not worth my time. And I am too tired to try to deal with that. Understandable. Yeah. I just, like, I end up being friends with whoever bothers to talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I really, I am socially inept. I don't know how to, like, if you talk to me after I blab in class, friends. Yes. If if you talk to me after seeing me wear shoes around that are ridiculous and not worth walking around in, but I did that anyway because I'm stupid. Friends. If I see you and you have cool hair, friends. <laughs> yes. Like, that's yeah. just kind of how it works, and it's not specified by race, yeah. but it is just that normally the people who respond to my interest in friendship the most tend to be queer people, which just based on the stats of UVA tend to be white. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would, I, it is a very much so, uh, I am friends with pretty much just minorities. Yeah. It's, it's, 
I have, I struggle based on the issues I had earlier about, like, dealing with people trying to correct me and things like that. It is impossible, it is nearly impossible for me to interact with straight cis white people. Oh, yeah. And have it go well, because I am very open about my, about the issues I face, I am very open about my frustrations with things, and someone trying to shut me up is an immediate red flag, and I will not put up with it. Yeah. It's just... We're in a... Society's wild, and the fact that I'm having to... We live in a society. Oh, my God. (laughs) We live in a society. Um, The fact that we live in a system where I'm still having to be like, hey, black people shouldn't be shot, and then everyone... And then people are saying that, no, it's their fault, they shouldn't be breaking things. It's like, maybe we shouldn't have a police system that shoots people. Literally, and, like, ends a life. Also, the protesters are not the ones looting. No, it's and fighting. Going to targets and shooting people while (laughs) stealing TVs. Those aren't those aren't the protesters. The people benefiting off of the way the framed protesters. Um, my last question is: How do you feel in the quote-unquote black community, like? Ooh, okay, so I'll start. Um, honestly, I'll admit, like, recently I've been feeling love. Recently. But in the past, no. And I'll tell you why. Because, because I am very mixed, like, very mixed. And especially my dad's family, like, not the more Native American side. Surprisingly, like, although I am darker than them, like, they've really took me in like i'm actually surprised about that i I love them but um my african-american side and my dad's and my dad's family under the griffin name like um i don't know i'm just seen as like oh you're mixed you don't know like you're mixed you're not one of us you'll never understand our problems um like like legit like i had a cousin tell me that and like not gonna lie it hurt and like i didn't feel like and what's a lot of them too are like um like one's a mayor one's like a lot of lawyers one's like a really famous book writer and like they were literally like we don't want you to get like get anything from this name either like you're not one of us and i was like like one of my cousins said that i was like wow okay um and i was like and then of course i asked why he won't say it but i know it's the color of my skin and then also like um i'm catholic and i'm um spanish too french too um and I think, yeah, I think it's weird, because in, in my own family, I don't feel connected, and I just kind of feel like I'm just there because my dad's there. I'm just yeah. there because I have to represent my family and my daughter. Because it's so funny, too, because it's like, because um, my dad was the golden child in his family. Like, he was, you know, a future lawyer. He's a lawyer. He works under Obama. Like, he's a golden child. And they were like, oh, he's going to have the best son. They even said that. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, okay, you're, you're also an only child. Yeah, context. A- and Fran and I, woman. Fran and I both <laughs> both <laughs> only children, and Cindy has a younger brother. For context, yeah, but they of course don't know Wait, how. Like, what younger brother? What? I have a younger brother. <laughs> you know, there's, there's rumors about that. We don't really know if Asher yeah. exists. Sometimes he never leaves his room. I didn't know. He, <laughs> I didn't know he was still alive. I, I'm assuming he is definite and said otherwise. Anyways, back to... Back yeah, to, but, but, um, 
But yeah, they literally expected a son and to become a lawyer to my dad's big successor and like be the next golden child. And I, yeah, I was a big, I was a big letdown. You know, my dad didn't marry another black woman. The first letdown, you know. And then, oh wait, my mom was mixed too. Oh yay! So it got better. And then there was me. And like surprisingly, um, my dad's mom actually liked me. But then no one, they like, literally, they were like, we don't want to see her. It was a whole thing. But then like, it's okay. But at the end of this story, I don't feel in my own black family um, that they do like me, and I know for a fact they won't go to my wedding. Like, I just know for a fact, because we're not even that close anymore. I'm just there for, like, just family reunions once a year. But I will say, in the larger black family in the United States, I do feel like I'm part of it, and I feel like that's a great thing, because, like, I don't know, like, yeah, I worked under Obama. Like, I love Kamala Harris. Um, like, I just, I've... I don't know how to explain it. I mean, okay, I know. This, I know. See with that. But I will say, I don't know. I just, like, I don't know. Ever since going into college and high school, like, I just feel like, like, yeah, no matter, I don't, like, no matter my skin tone, like, no matter if I'm mixed or not, like, I'm part of the black community. I've always prided myself on that. Yeah. That's, that's always the other thing you're right. Because I grew up in a, I didn't have access to, really, a black community in a sense. Like, being one of very few black people, by the time I got to high school and it was slightly better, I already, I had the same friends I'd had since I was six, I'm still friends with all that with, I've had my best friend I've known since we were both five, like, I kind of had my cohort, and then I came to college in a completely different state, and it was kind of weird because I didn't quite feel like I fit into, like, like, say the BSA, or yeah. like, the Office of African American Affairs, like, I'm on the list, but I never go, because it doesn't feel quite right, like, yeah, I'm black, there's no denying that, um, if I wanted to, and for how minute there, I know I wanted to. Um, but like, I don't feel like I quite fit in because I didn't have I didn't have a lot of cultural experiences, which the quote unquote black experience is not is bullshit. Yeah. Like, it's, it depends on where in the United States, or it depends on if you're in the United States or if you're outside of the United States. But even just within that, it's very different. Like being black in the Midwest is different from being black on the West Coast or the East Coast, oh, or the yeah. South. They're all very different. But I felt like I didn't have a connection to any of that, particularly, because my mother's also very just an independent person. Like, she... She never... She's very much so, like, doesn't want to use labels for herself. She's like, I'm just Molly. Um, and yeah, she's a, she's a medium to dark-skinned black woman with braids, with colorful braids. But she's my mom. And that's kind of how she presented herself. My grandmother was the one who was more... And my dad were the two that were more, I guess, essential to my upbringing as being black. Ironically enough, my white dad. My dad is also a history major and ethics studies minor, so it's a little bit more fitting. Um, but it's just those kinds of backgrounds that I didn't quite have made it feel made me feel weird to be quote unquote black, like UVA, which already has a tiny black student, like we're six percent. Yeah, it's really low. It, it's sad, and just. I always was afraid that I would be immediately ostracized and be like, oh, you're not black enough, you don't get it. Or like, you don't get what it's like to be dark. And it's like, no, I don't know what it's like to be dark, but I recognize that and I'm willing to listen to dark-skinned black people talking about their issues. It's like, I understand that if you, like, the, the whole paper bag test and like that kind of shit in South Africa, I would have been on the higher end of that. Like in a social ranking, I rank higher than a, than a dark-skinned black person. But it's kind of hard to explain that in like a sentence or two. Yeah. And when I don't look typical, I don't look particularly like quote unquote black. My hair isn't particularly dark. My hair is really surprisingly reddish brown, which is how it is because my dad. I don't have. I'm not particularly dark. I don't have a lot of the prominent black features. 
Um, like, I look like my mom in, in a lot of ways, but those aren't what you would consider typical black features. Like, I don't have... I guess I don't really have, like, the bigger nose. I don't have the fuller lips. Like, so it's very awkward to come in there being like, I'm black. And it's like, people could be like, no, you're not. And, like, they would probably have... They, in some ways, would have a right to think that I'm not, even though I am. Because I don't quite look, quote-unquote, black enough. Which is a whole... Very weird thing. But, like, I kind of owned it a little bit more as I've gotten older in college, like, also just being queer and coming to my identity as a whole, I couldn't throw that out. Like, I can't throw out my race in that. Like, I still experience a lot of things a lot of black people experience. Like, if I put black on a job interview, I'm gonna deal with the repercussions. Like, that's a reality I have to deal with. Like, if I, if police see me, it's, it's, and I'm doing, if, like, they get angry, I'm at higher risk than my boyfriend is. These are realities I hadn't have to come to head with. And it's just weird to think about, because it's like... Yeah, I, I am black, but like... I don't know, it's that weird thing about it. I'm not white, I'm sure as hell ain't white, but... I don't feel like I fully fit into a black community. So it's, I think that's part of why I gravitated towards the queer community specifically, because it was something that I had more visibility with when I was younger. And it was something that I felt extremely comfortable in since I was first figured out, oh yeah, I'm not straight. It's been something that I've had an easier time feeling like I could be in, in part because queerness um, and like sexuality and gender and stuff, most people don't know that from birth. I don't think anyone knows whether they identify at birth, but race is a little bit harder to like argue with. So. Yeah. I, um, I always just had the weird thing of I am black, my family's black, but we technically live in an upper-class white area, and I went to school in upper-class white schools, Um, and like, kind of similarly to what you were saying, I had the whole thing of like, growing up in these primarily white communities, and just not really getting enough black culture quote unquote to feel comfortable in the black community also quote unquote yeah um it's just like you get that awkward feeling of feeling like you don't quite belong there and like i think especially because Personally, I feel pretty comfortable in the black community as long as I don't have to talk. Because I feel like as soon as my vernacular comes out, and the fact that I don't know enough Ave to be comfortable speaking consistently in Ave, it's it feels almost like a language barrier, even though it isn't. Yeah. yeah. And... Anytime I see, like, for the black community at UVA, it's a lot easier um, than the general population of Charlottesville. Charlottesville also just has a lot of bad history with UVA, which is completely fair. UVA is a very, I mean, when Thomas Jefferson's your founder, you're kind of off to a bad start with black people. Yep. Yeah. It's not a great, it's not a great thing. Plus, it, it just, no, not great. Um, but, like, being here has been, has made it slightly easier yeah. than, especially than in high school, 
where I was kind of literally perceived as an Oreo. Um, <laughs> no. Oh, black on the outside, right on the inside, my guys. Um, and, like, that really kind of hit hard yeah. and stuck with me. And I have to kind of consistently remind myself that, like, that's not a, that's not a real thing. And that, like, it shouldn't stop me from talking to other black people because yeah. they actually understand the experience that I'm going through constantly. And the stuff that really frustrates me. Those really subtle yeah. microaggressions that people aren't going to get out there. Yeah. If they are not either. Stuff that you can't list. That you, you live through, but you can't. Asks. Yeah, it's, yeah. That it's you very can little. Easily thing. complain about when it happens, and you know, and you can give someone a look, and they know, but it's like really hard outside of that. I think another yeah. thing that was Utah. There's so few black people. Black people. It wasn't even being ostracized for being black. It was just not knowing. Yeah. It was just. A, oh, it was yeah. just. It, it was more so like like there were racial aggressions against Latinx people a lot more. Like they were seen as the bad egg, kind of like they were Utah. They're Utah's racial minority to pick on I guess is the way to put it there's not enough black people for that to be a thing so there's just a complete lack of uh, blackness in Utah yeah. and coming to Virginia like even Charlottesville which is UVA which is very white was still better than Salt Lake and Salt Lake like Salt Lake's a lot better than most of Utah but even then it's like everyone looks the same they're all white blonde-eyed blue blonde hair blue-eyed Mormons it's very monotone and very samey and it's homogenous and it gets really exhausting and the fact that I didn't even have that like enough black experience to even be able to identify that the issues I went through were black specific I think kind of speaks- yeah. yeah yeah I didn't have enough black people in my life to know what it what being black meant yeah that's what fucked me up the most and now coming to college and being around black people I don't feel like I have I don't feel like I know enough to be able to say anything, even though I'm an African-American studies major um, and a history major. So I have the historical backing to understand it, and I've, I think that major in part has made me want to pursue those kinds, has made me active in those kinds of things yeah. and vocal about them, because I've watched how not being vocal leads to very specific narratives and how that's so dangerous and so frustrating. Yeah. Like, we know the I Have a Dream speech about Martin Luther King, but most people don't remember him as pretty much an economic socialist. Yeah. Yeah. Like, people don't talk about it. They don't want to talk about him, about Vietnam. Because we have such a specific narrative. And, and a lot of that is just so white-controlled. Yeah. Like, Charlottesville's history program was, like... Like, you could tell that our teacher tried to pack some less... White. ...specific information in there. But there was pretty much, like, a script... Yeah. That you go down, and it's the same script that you've been going over for years. Yeah. It's the same stuff that you already know over and over and over again with slightly more detail, but only the details they want you to know. Yeah. And just, oh, God. Trying to navigate the black community after growing up in a primarily white community where you can't even figure out what microaggressions are. Yeah. Let alone figure out that somebody's trying to use them against you um and then going home and at least for me seeing that my family is entirely black but their version of blackness is completely different from mine yeah and 
trying to fit in but not quite fitting in and like not really being included in a lot of things um so like my entire family calls my grandmother one name and me and my brother call her something else or all of my cousins used to go shopping um whenever we had family reunions and they would take along like a certain group but my brother and I wouldn't go um and like it was always kind of a oh when you're older thing except it didn't happen when we were older even though it kept happening mm-hmm. yeah. um and then just it, just all little things and then being expected to meet random people and instantly be able to connect and and, and like be family with them which like mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like that's something that I've gotten better at in terms of seeing somebody finding out that they're family and then being family with them but not necessarily the interactions yeah and yeah. it's it gets especially difficult when you have so much family especially because I have such terrible memory And, like, I can't remember anybody's names. But I know, like, everybody. Yeah. I know. And, like, for me on top of that, like, my dad's family, so they're Protestant. Yeah. And, like, of course, they even see my dad as um, converting to Catholicism as a huge thing. But, of course, me as born Catholic. um, Like, so, I mean, I wouldn't go to church, not even because, like, my mom didn't want me to or anything. It's just, like, I don't know. We were always getting there late, and like we would, like we thirty minutes in. I'm like, I don't want to be rude and like go in and like. But they'd be they'd always put that on me like, you don't go to church, you don't go to black church, so you're not black. And I'm like, of course I was so young too, and I don't know what to say to this. Like, yeah. imagine me a freaking like twelve year old, third twelve year old, and then like seeing all these little cousins, like this like passive aggressive stuff, and then you think you're family, but then you're like, why would my family like tell me this? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, though, yeah. black church is an experience. I've only, I, <laughs> I yeah, I've, I've only been a couple of times, and it was a mild version, and this is when I was like eight and just atheist, so I was like the really irritating atheist who's like, God isn't yeah. real, and like shitting on people who believe in organized religion, which is not how I am now. I think I've grown in the past 11 years, 12, god, 12 years, um, uh, but like, it was it was a time, and it wasn't it wasn't like a it was Maryland, so it wasn't like a Southern Black church. Like if oh I, yeah! If I had gone to my great grandmother's church in Georgia, it would have been an experience. This yeah. this is a woman who knew Martin Luther King and Malcolm. She oh, was, dang, she was directly right. involved yeah. in like the Democratic Party campaigning and like the Voting Rights Act. Not Voting Rights Act, but like the voting vote, signing up people for voting. I still want more. somebody to be impressed at the fact that my aunt went to school with Donnie Hathaway. Nobody ever is impressed by that. Hey, yeah. But it's so cool. Yeah. Donnie Hathaway just, just beautiful, gorgeous music, amazing music. I just want one person to feel my <laughs> level of yes. bragging. I got. Yes. I have the lucky fact of um. I have some pretty. My grandmother knew pretty iconic people. Yeah. Oh, she that's, was, she was in the iconic. deep south in the sixties, like. Let, let me just say, I'm not trying to take away no, from that. God, I no. just want somebody to feel my excitement. <laughs> no, you're good. I just am amused because it's like people can tend to be like, oh shit, for mine. Because it's like, yeah, no, it's just, 
it's very convenient in that yeah. my, my deep southern democratic grandmother great grandmother yeah. was like involved she drove hey. from sermons in georgia yeah like, she was in it but it's just yeah just like yeah oh yeah the other thing i was thinking of was just like that struggle of not being uh being in a such a non-black area that that white people one time we were it was in my dance studio we had a bunch of rich white girls Oof, yeah. Um, yeah, it gets bad. Um, oh my god, the having to wear pink lipstick even though you're, like, not... <laughs> <laughs> Sitting like, there both I'm dancers. over here looking like... Like you're sick? Early, early years Nicki Minaj. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. Yeah, ours was red. Um, But they were like, oh, if you wear red on stage, you'll look like your lips are black. Mustard City like, are too red. I don't know what that's about. But, yeah, I was like, but like uh, There was this random conversation, and we were like 12 to 14, and it was like about what the what the worst swear word was, and I said something about the N-word, and they were like, what? And they started saying it. These two white girls started oh, saying it God. around me, no. like over and over, with a hard R, over and over and no. over again. And only one person came up to me to be like, I'm sorry, that's fucked. But no one else saw the issue with it. And I realized if I told the administration, nothing was going to happen. That's when I knew that I was not, I was in a, I was in about as white as you could get when I literally was sitting there listening to them say it, trying not to cry because it was upsetting me so much. And I knew that if I went to someone to tell someone about it, it not that I would get in trouble more than anything else. Yeah. That, that yeah. I, that's when I knew, I was like, oh, the world's fucked. Oh, it's fucked. And it just, it, it the whiteness that reeked of that. And just the class privilege, honestly, is a part of that, too. Like, yeah. to rich white people. Like, they don't experience those kinds of things. They didn't get it. Like, that's what hit when I realized just how white Utah, like, upper middle class white Utah is. It's, the fact that they can say that so casually with the hard R and not oh understand. God. Yeah. The fact that one of them didn't even know what it was and the other one said it and then, then they started saying it. And it's like, no. I didn't have the energy. I couldn't say anything because I wasn't going to do anything. Yeah. Like, that, that was the kicker for, like, oh. This is where I am. Yeah. yeah, that'd probably be about it for for this episode of Black and. Any final thoughts? Well, I think no. I think that's it. Yeah. Well, this has been Black and. Black lives matter. Black lives do matter. Retweet. <laughs> that's it from us. Yeah. Until next time. Black Lives Matter, ACAB, fuck 12. Black Lives Matter! Stay from people in the back. Yeet.